Let's go to the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. It's a two-part message. We'll do just a brief uh, review from last week. Um, then look at uh, some, uh, some additional truth uh, this morning. In Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11, verse 1, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. And uh, as a pastor, you get a, you get a really a front row seat to, I guess, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But uh, mostly the good. Um, I was talking to somebody on the bus on the, on the way to the ladies' retreat. And by the way, uh, I was just, uh, I loved the, just the, the scenario of the ladies being able to, to spend that time together in that regard. I know, I know not everybody was able to, to go, but I think we had 19 that went with our group. And um, it is very beneficial uh, to, to a church for, for people in our churches to be able to take opportunities here and there to do those things together and to get refreshment together and spend time together. And just, you know, I, I, I picked up on different conversations and, and different, uh, 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 you know, situations where I said, you know, that probably, that wouldn't happen if it was just the services of showing up in, in the church building and, uh, and, and leaving. Um, even though we do have some pretty prolonged times of fellowship after services at a time, which I think is great as well. Uh, you know, stay as long as you want and, and uh, make sure things are locked up and shut down when you leave, but, uh, uh, you know, the fellowship is great. Well, somebody, one of the ladies was just speaking about when we're, when we're finding joy in our relationship with the Lord, then out of that just that walk of, of joy with him, that joyful heart towards him, then it's just, it's, it's normal then to just pick up on situations along the way in which we can joyfully invest for him. You know, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll throw some bread on the, on the water here. Uh, yeah, Lord, okay, I feel your prompting there. I'll, I'll do that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll serve you in this way if you want me to. I'll do this today. And, uh, just the, the front row seat that a pastor has, I'm just seeing so many times where people, you can just tell, because they love the Lord, they're, they're, they're serving Him. They're doing something for Him. And a lot of times, you know, I, I may know about it, but they, might, they may, might not want anyone else to know. You know, they just want to do it just with no strings attached, just between them and the Lord, and, and they may share something with me to, to be able to facilitate that a little bit. But... Even though, you know, they, I guess uh, it is almost cliche for, for pastors to, to, to refer maybe to problems that have to, you know, be dealt with and navigated. Really, you, you face a lot more of the good than you do all those things. And the reason, the reason is, is because there's no more joyful person on the face of the earth than a Christian who's serving the Lord. That is just the truth of the matter. And when you're a part of a church, that's what you get to, to see more often than not. And, uh, and, and so just the, 
the, and, and, and we do have sort of an, an ongoing emphasis that, that the Lord has given us. And I, I can't think of, you know, really fancy ways to put it, but so we always just put it this way, is if you feel like the Lord is, is, is nudging you, you know, towards a certain person on a given day, you know, he just brings that person to mind, at that point, at least pray for that person. Pray for that person. And as you pray for that person, sometimes God's going to say, okay, you know, take this a little further. In some way. Um, there's a couple of dozens, a dozen one another statements in the New Testament that have everything to do with people being spirit-led as believers. And as they're spirit-led, then they are contributors in the lives of others. And they're joyfully investing in that way. They're doing it as if you're throwing bread on the water with no thought of ever getting that back. But it's just the blessing of being able to do that. Being able to put you know, something, invest something there at that time. And, uh, and, and so I say it again this morning. Um, when the Lord nudges you towards something, just respond to that. Walk with the Lord each day so that when He leads you, you'll, you'll perceive it and you'll be able to follow his, his promptings in that regard. And you know how everything gets taken care of in, in a church? Is when you have a spirit-led church that can only happen because it's made up of spirit-led individuals. And the simplest way that I can put it is a spirit-led Christian is one who's listening to the voice of the Lord. And he'll, he'll lead you. It's amazing. Uh, it's just, it'll come up, you know, somewhere along the line where you'll just sense that the Lord is, 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 is steering you in a certain direction. That individual. If God leads you further, then, then go further with it. And, uh, and, and, and see, the thing of it is, is there's special blessings to be found in that. How many times have you listened to the voice of the Lord and you've gone into a situation because he led you into it and there was a blessing there you wouldn't have found if, if you hadn't followed his promptings? Right? And, and, and uh, I think in the conversation it was kind of put, you know, that the Lord just kind of opens it up at that point for you to be able to see what, he, what, what, what he's doing. And you would have missed it. You know, maybe somebody else would have gotten that blessing. You know, God probably still would have gotten it done somehow because, I mean, he, he, he's, he, uh, he doesn't need us really, but, but he does in a sense because this is the way he set it up. I mean, he set it up so that he uses us. So in that sense, he does need for us to, to, be, to, 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 uh, to, to listen to his voice and to his promptings. And that's what a church is. And so how does everything get done? Well, everything gets done by everybody being sensitive to the Lord along the way. And if we're, if we're counting on, you know, two or three or just a handful of people doing it, it's not all going to get covered. It's not all going to get covered. And, uh, and so um, it was a good challenge there for, for me last week. Uh, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. And so many times, you know, that, that, what that entails is God just pulling back the curtain a bit to see how, how that investment did did pay dividends. And uh, you do reap what you sow. And that, we think of that as being a, such a negative thing, right? You're going to reap what you sow. But I mean, if you're sowing the right kind of seed, then 
That's a very positive concept. I think primarily that, 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 that could be a very positive concept uh, for, for the Christian. Well, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer. We're going to build on this a little bit uh, this week. Lord, I thank you for the Bible. I thank you for the authority and the confidence and the boldness that we can have to proclaim it and for the eagerness that we can have to, to receive it uh, because it shows us your heart. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the major words in the book of Ecclesiastes is, is, is the word vanity. And there's, there's few worse words than that, really. Because not only do you have a negative connotation here, but you also, it's, it's almost like it goes further than that. It's like something that's, it's, it expends energy, but yet it's in vain. Like it's, it's empty in the end. And the thing that, 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 the, that Solomon is bemoaning is, is how often... Lives are spent, and our lives, the Bible says, are spent as a tale that is told. And so the story of a life is told, and whatever it is was written on those pages by decision of that individual, at the end of it all, like after all those days, whatever the, the appointed days were, it just, it just adds up to, to vanity. It adds up to things that, that didn't really end up being all that important. Things that seemed, you know, so urgent and that beckoned us so strongly at the time. Invest in me. Follow after me. Strive to attain me. At the end, it was like, wow. You know, that really, there was real, no, no real substance there. Is that what life was all about? You know, just filling another storage unit with stuff? You know, building another barn to be able to fill up with junk? <laughs> And, uh, you know, to, 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 have, to have more toys that are just going to break down. Um, and, you know, I, and look, there's a lot of things we can enjoy in this life. And the Bible doesn't give us a list of those things, you know, saying wrong, wrong, bad, bad, you know, no, no, no. I mean, God says, and we're going to see in the passage here, he basically says, go for it. But as you're doing that, you probably want to think about what is going to be vanity and what isn't? You're probably going to want to be thinking what is going to really, really bring, bring, bring substance to your life or not. Your life is lived as a tale that is told. And the Bible says, so teach us to number our days so that we might turn our hearts towards wisdom. In other words, to say, I only have an appointed amount of days. I don't know how, how many that is. None of us do. So for the time that I have, whatever time does, God does give me, I want to do uh, right by those days by being wise, by living my life the way God meant for it to be lived, by investing for Him. So it's not just vanity. It's not just emptiness. It's not just uh, uh, frivolous pursuits that don't really hold water in the end. Jeremiah called them broken cisterns. <laughs> right? And the broken cistern, I mean, we look at the cistern, I want to fill that up. This is going to be great. This is, uh, I'm going to hew this cistern out and, and put everything that I want into it. And, the, and, and, and Jeremiah says, you know, it just ends up being cracked and, and it all runs out of it. And, the, and, it, and what did it add up to, really? And so we talked about some of these concepts. And uh, we talked about how the Christian really has the inside track on life not being just vanity. Because the main point that, that, that Solomon is making isn't that, that life has to be vanity, vanity and that's just inevitable. 
I mean, it's just going to be that way no matter what. I think his main point is that it tends to be vanity, but it doesn't have to be. And for the one who's recognizing God in their life, and for the one that's seeing how God set things up, and the one who puts their heart into it, it's going to be anything but vanity. It's going to be fulfillment. It's going to be finding life the way it was meant to be lived. Do you believe that? Have you, have you tasted of that? Are you, are you in the spirit today of saying, you know, I just want to see the next thing the Lord has for me. I just want to be yielded to Him and whatever He asked me to do, man, that's what I, what I want to do. I want to find joy today and just listening to His promptings and, and seeing how He's working around me and joining Him in that. That's a great way to live. That brings fulfillment. That's the opposite of vanity. And uh, so we looked at uh, um, giving a portion to seven, also eight, and, and so the fullness of what God has for us and even going beyond so much the more as we see the day approaching. And, uh, and we saw in verse uh, 3 that the clouds are filled up with rain but in order to be dispersed. Um, and so God, God gives us the things that we need in order to, to invest for Him and to be a blessing. We're not just looking to build bigger storehouses to put it all in. We're like, okay, God, you know, you've given me this. Uh, you've given me these, these things. You've given me this substance. You know, now I want to, I want to use it for you. And so we talked about those concepts. And then we talked about in verse 4, He that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regardeth the clouds um, uh, shall not uh, reap. And there's always reasons and excuses that come up why now, now isn't a good time. Right? Uh, the devil will always give you plenty of excuses because he doesn't want you. Hey, look. You know who's the most interested in your life being vanity and empty and without substance? It's the devil. And so he's going to give you all kinds of excuses to keep you from the blessing, right? And like in, in verse number three, hey, look, it's all just random anyways, right? The trees, just, they just fall wherever they're going to fall. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. That's the, the lie, one of the lies he tells us. Hey, look, you can't really make a difference in the grand scheme of things anyways. And uh, I guess when you, when you stop and look at the whole world and, and everything that's going on, um, you know, sometimes it is uh, like, okay, is this, any, is this, is this really going to make a difference? Is this really going to amount to anything? Well, look, for God so loved the world, all right, he sees the whole world. Let him be concerned about the whole world. You just do your part in whatever he wants you to do. That's the theme of the missions conference. You got the, you got the, the, the piece of the puzzle that he's entrusted to you, that he wants you, through his leading, to put into the right place. That's it. You say, well, you know, I mean, I want to control the whole puzzle. Well, that's not your job. That's God's job. Right? I mean, sometimes it's like, who do we think we are? <laughs> but on the other hand, the flip side of that is, look, we're tempted to just think it's all just kind of random. It's all going to happen the way it's going to happen regardless. But that's not true. You have a part to play. Right? And it's not, you know, the, 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 uh, the, God isn't just shaking up all the puzzle pieces and just dumping them out there. Whatever happens, happens with them. He's working through those that, that love Him and are following Him and want to have a life that's fulfilled by Him. He's working to put all those things together for His glory. And that's a great thing to be a part of. That's the greatest privilege that there is, to be a part of that. 
And, uh, and so we talked about that. And then in, in, uh, in, in verse number five, um, as thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so, look at this, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. That's exactly what I'm talking about here. You have no idea everything that God's doing around you. You have no idea the way that he's working. I mean, he'll show you from time to time. But we just, we, we see a sliver off a sliver off a sliver of it. And it's saying, you know, okay, like the one, the one who, who put the child together in the womb and put all those components together, you know how he replicates that, that scenario uh, billions of times over? But yet each time it's unique. There's no two people that are exactly the same in their DNA. Sometimes I listen to these, uh, these true crime podcasts, and they'll, do like, uh, uh, they'll, they'll tackle these cold cases from back, back, back in like the 70s and 80s, you know, where things happen. And back then they didn't have the DNA testing like they do now. And it's become more and more advanced where now they can take, they can take evidence out of, that was been in storage for decades, take it out in one, one, one uh, cell of, of DNA, one, one piece of skin, they can get a profile that could lead them to solve a crime from 40 or 50 years ago. It's amazing. Now, why is that? Because every single one of those, you know, uh, perpetrators had, they were unique. They were made in God's image, <laughs> They could have been serving God with their life instead of just being into the vanity that led them to a life of crime or, or whatever. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, God, the God that formed that, that puts that DNA in every individual, you know, says he's done it billions of times. That's the same God <laughs> that is working in all the details um, around us as we serve and we can trust him for that. It's not just random. It's not just in vain. And I was thinking of... Uh, of of uh, Psalm 139. Psalm 139, if you want to turn there, you can. Psalm 139, we'll pick it up in verse 13. Psalm 139, this just speaks of the sovereignty of God and, and how, you know, we can, we, can, we can reconcile that in our mind that God is sovereign, but in His sovereignty, He has chosen for us to play a part. But yet, you know, we, we, we have to remember that, that ultimately, He's the one that's working it all. And we have confidence that it's not just in vain because of that. But Psalm 139 verse 13 says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid for thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. Or not totally developed, it means. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts. And so the Bible talks about um, how uh, the, the God, the God that, 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 that put those things, formed those things in, in the mother's womb. And that's why we don't believe in terminating that life in the mother's womb. There is something that God knows the members of. He's woven that together. It's, it's fearfully and wonderfully made. It's written in his book. 
It's part of, of the, the wonder and the marvel of what he has created. And so if you go back to the verse there in, in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 5, it says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, know how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. And so when we see these, these things in our society, these, 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 these ongoing uh, uh, battles in different schools of thought, you know what it really comes down to? One way is a way of vanity because it's detached from the creator who do, does these wonderful, marvelous things. And the other way is the, is the life of substance and of life because we believe in the life giver himself. And it, it presents a whole view of the world, you see. But you know, sometimes we'll fight for those causes and that we believe that God gave life and that we're supposed to do right by that. But then we don't transfer that into the life that we're living ourselves right now. Okay, so, so I don't believe in terminating uh, uh, babies' lives in the womb, but what are, what are the full-fledged manifestations of that in my life right now? Do I believe that God had a loving plan for me? He put me together. He made me the person of value that I am in his eyes. He wrote my members in his book. He gave me life, and I have a life that's worth living and investing for him today. Because if not, you know what we've practically become? We've practically become a borders of our own lives. You understand what I'm saying? Living a life that is in vain because it's not really being invested for the Lord. And so, as thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit. And the Bible said the Spirit is like wind. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell uh, whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. People say, well, I can't see God. I can't see the Spirit of God. Well, it is a Spirit. But you know, the illustration of the wind is a great one. Because you'll see, you know, the rustling in the leaves to show that the wind is there. If you're out on a lake, you know, I, I went with the men, at the men's retreat the other day, I, I went out on a canoe by myself. So I'm sitting in the back of that canoe, and in the front of it is, what is that called, the prow, I guess? It's up in the, you know, it's up out of the water quite a bit. And that works great. I mean, I was making a great time when the wind was behind me. But I didn't really realize how much the wind was behind me until I turned around and tried to get back to, to the campsite. And then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to paddle that crazy thing, and it's blowing in every direction, you know. And I just kind of get in by the shore and just kind of creep along there. I finally did make it back. And, you know, no one was really there to, to see what an adventure it was, so I didn't even bother trying to explain it. But it was a workout. It was a workout. I needed a motor is what I needed on there. But, you know, hey, could I see the wind? I couldn't see the wind, but I could certainly see the effects of it, you see? And, you know, sometimes, sometimes the wind comes through in, a, in such a powerful way, it'll, it'll influence all the topography and, and all the terrain around it. And I think maybe in the illustration of the Spirit, that's kind of like revival, you know? It comes through with such power that it affects everything in its path. And there have been revivals like that, um, even in America at times. We need a revival. <laughs> we need the outpouring of the Spirit, you know, to see in a fresh way the evidence of God moving in our land. But you know where that's going to start? It's going to start with individuals today who believe in that wind and in that Spirit, who see the evidence of it in their own lives and respond to it. And, uh, and so um, it does talk about uh, the, the, and thou knowest not 
uh, the way of the spirit, you know, how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. And, uh, and so um, as we, sorry, this thing kind of lost my spot on me here. All right. So then uh, verse number six, it says, in the morning, sow thy seed. And sometimes I get excited and I poke the wrong thing on my screen and it takes me somewhere totally different. So I got to find my way back. All right. Um, in the morning, sow thy seed, and in the evening, withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. And it's saying, look, you know, hey, you don't know when God's doing something special. Listen to him all the time. At a time when you least expect it, there might be an opportunity there. And uh, truly, the, the light is sweet, and pleasant things, uh, thing is for the eyes to behold the sun. And we do like, you know, we do like when things are cheerful <laughs> and sunny. We do, we, do, we do appreciate that. We do prefer that. But look at what it says in the next verse. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Invest when the days are bright and when the days are dark. Because if you only do so on clear days, you will end up wasting a lot of opportunities. You'll end up wasting a lot of days. When things are dark, you know, Christian, you can't curl up in the fetal position and quit. Keep giving. Keep investing. Job said, as long as I still have breath in my body, I will praise him. And, uh, hey, look, we're all the same that way, all right? Um, somebody, somebody said, uh, uh, they were here, uh, uh, you know, this has happened a number of times, but, uh, um, you know, they said, hey, I, 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 know you were, I know you were talking right to me in that message. I really don't think that way, okay? Look, when, when, when the Bible gives truth, the truth is so timeless and so relevant then under preaching from God's word, we're going to feel a lot of times like it's speaking right to us. But that's a good thing, isn't it? Because God cares about our needs personally. And, uh, and so um, let's go to, uh, to, 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 to the last few verses here. Verse 9, it says, Rejoice. Look at this. This is great. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of your youth. So, so the Bible's saying here, look, hey, being young is great, because it has less problems. All right, being young is great. It's a great time to be cheerful. You know, it grieves me to see some of the things that young people have to deal with these days. And, and, and it seems like a lot more, more and more young people just seem like they're beat down. And they're, they're not just being able to just be, kind of be kids and just enjoy life. So that's one part of it. But look at what the rest of it says, says here. Rejoice, O young man, in the youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of youth. Walk in the ways of all thine heart. You know, enjoy life in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. And so it's saying this, look, even a young person can learn about the fact that what they're doing before the eyes of God is relevant. And even for a young person, as they're enjoying life without all of the, the problems and all the, 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 uh, the difficulties that, 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 that they'll have to face when they're older, even they can consider the fact that God has a purpose for them right now. Do you know that serving the Lord has nothing really to do with how old you are? 
It has everything to do with what your heart is. People of all ages can understand that life doesn't have to be vanity. Kids and young people can make a huge difference for the Lord. Jesus himself took a lad who brought his lunch and was willing to share that and did one of the greatest miracles recorded in the Bible that influenced thousands and thousands of people. And so it's saying, look, hey, life, it is enjoyable. Live it up, in a sense. But as you do that, don't let it be a bunch of foolishness and vanity. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. And he says, normally, childhood and youth is vanity. But it doesn't have to be that way. Hey, we, we have a great church, you know. With, we have a lot of young people in our church now. We have a... We have people of all ages. And we could look at it and say, well, hey, it's good the kids are here right now. They're just kids. Someday they'll serve the Lord. That's the wrong approach. We can look at it as, well, you know, I've served my time and, you know, just let the young people do it now. That's the wrong approach. <laughs> the right approach is that right now, wherever I am, I can feel, I can, I can uh, perceive the Lord's leading in my life and his promptings in my life to have the right attitude for him to be joyful in serving him to distribute in any way that I can. And uh, right, you know, this morning even, I had, the, I, had the, I had just a front row seat of a glimpse of somebody who had just spent, it looked like hours to me, just putting some food together so we could have a snack before Sunday school today. Eh, it seemed like a whole, you know, I mean, we come in here, yeah, well, this looks pretty good, puff that down or whatever. But to me, that's just, it's just a glimpse of a heart that's saying, I want to do something to serve the Lord today that's going to be a blessing to others. And I can tell you what, that person's life at that point is not vanity. There's a blessing for them and there's a blessing for others. The Bible says, start when you're young. Don't waste the days of your youth. But the Bible also says, finish your life is a story that is told. And don't you hate it when you get halfway through a story and then, you know, it seemed like it was going to be a really good story and then you never find out what the end of it was. Or it started out like really good and then I was like, that, that was the dumbest ending ever. You know? <laughs> and so the, the illustration is that you have a story Ideally, each page is a new scenario and a new adventure and a new opportunity to see what the Lord was going to do and to be a part of what he was doing around us. And there's no greater adventure or no greater story to be told than that. Now, one of the applications of this, and we're going to end with this now. One of the applications, this, isn't, this is just one application for right now, one opportunity for right now. As you know, our church uh, gives to, to missions. And... Uh, <clears throat> So we, we made this a real subtle color here, right? You didn't want you to miss it. But uh, it's an insert in the bulletin that was given out. And so right now our church gives about $40,000 a year to, 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 to foreign missions. All right? Now that sounds like a lot. And it is a lot. I mean, it's a lot of money. But 
when you have a church full of people that say, you know, we just want to follow the Lord's leading, however it is that he'd want to lead us this year, to make an investment, to put that bread out in the water that will give returns, to say, I'm trusting that God is working. It's not just all random. He's going to use me in my part, my piece of the puzzle, however that, that, that is going to be. Look, all, all, all we want to do is encourage people to not miss that blessing, to not miss that blessing. That's going to come from the Lord. The Lord will tell you. The Lord will lead you in that. And so we have here just the, the, uh, um, the opportunity to be a part of, of missions team giving for this coming year. It will go from October to October to be able to be used together to meet the commitments that we have for supporting missionaries and maybe take on more. So the, the, so the gospel which you have received can go to places that you've never been uh, before. Now I want to show you just uh, in closing here um, an illustration of how team giving can work and it adds up to more than what we would think it would. All right, so you got that, you got that slide there for me? So look, there's, there's, there's one scenario, okay? Uh, what can a kid do? Well, if a kid were to give $3 per week, you know, however the Lord provided for them to be able to do it, if they were to give $3 a week, this is a scenario. It doesn't mean that, that every kid would be able to do this. If a kid gives $3 per week, they could support a missionary for a month. You see that? All right? All uh, right. Well, one of my sons, the first year we did this, said, Dad, the Lord, uh, Lord led me, I'm going to give $10 a week. I'm like, well, where on earth is that going to come from? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, you know, I better be start figuring it out right now how I can spring for this 10 bucks every week. Right? He, was, he was, I think, 12 or 13 years old. Well, the first week came up, and he said, Dad, he said, I went up, and in one of my bags, one of my gym bags, I'd forgotten about there was a $10 bill. So the first week in his gym bag, he found a $10 bill. You know, I thought, I doubt if he goes back to that gym bag every week, there's going to be a $10 bill in there. So I think, okay, that covered one week. But, uh, but, you know, the Lord allowed him to start getting little jobs on the side, little odd jobs, this, that, and the other. And, uh, and now I think he's, like, making more money than I, than I do. So, uh, well, uh, but the Lord, the Lord has provided for him to be able to do that, you see. All right, so the next, the next uh, scenario there. If a couple, just an illustration, gives commits to $75 a week, they can support two missionaries for a whole year through our church. That's just an illustration. I'm, I'm not saying that's an amount for anybody or anything like that. I'm just giving you a scenario. 
You see how it adds up? All right, next. If 100 people, we probably have pretty close to 100 people here today, but not everybody could do this. Some could do more, some could do less. But this is, this is just some math, all right? If 100 people give $10 per week, we would, we would give a total of $52,000 uh, for the year. And, uh, and I think that 48000 I think we're at a little less than that right now because we've had some, some situations change. But I'm just showing there that 100 people give $10 a week. It would, it would cover and, and we'd be able to take on new missionaries. It's just the math, you see. It's, it's instead of us looking at it like, wow, how's that going to happen? I couldn't do all that. When we all follow the Lord's promptings, he'll put all this math together to meet the needs. Okay? Last one there. If 10 kids gave $3 per week, that would support one missionary for the whole year. You see? Now look, I have no idea. I have no idea how the Lord's going to put together. I don't even find out how he does it. All right? I don't know where the numbers are going to fall, who's going to do what or whatever. I do know this. If we all obey the Lord and what he leads us to, and, 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 and fill out this, and look, the name is optional. That's up. You know, sometimes we ask for names on there because if, if uh, we don't want kids sometimes, they should check with their parents and not just fill out, you know, a big number on there and throw it in without, they meant well. They meant well. We've, we work in our budget, you know, we take on 10 new missionaries and then, uh, so, but, uh, but look, the point is for us to take that one side as a reminder to us of what the Lord led us to. And the other side is just for us to be able to, to figure out, okay, this is what the Lord has, be, has led to be committed through our church this year, to put that bread out in the water, you know, and, uh, and to see what the Lord does through it. <coughs>